and welcome back to this week's episode of Not D&D, uh, which is brought to you by EM World Live, part of uh, EM World, the leading tabletop news and review site. As always, I'm your host, Jessica, and joining me this week is Ryan. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me uh, having me on here today. Absolutely. So I um, so I I was scrolling on TikTok, spending too much time on there, as I do. <laughs> and uh, so Ryan is uh, a creator on TikTok, and I think it's the uh, Outrider Creative on TikTok. That's right. Yep. And I saw this awesome game you're talking about, your game that you're going to be coming out, which is Perils and Princesses. And I was instantly drawn in because I was like, yes, I love both of these things. <laughs> and uh, so, so I asked Ryan to come on and they've kindly come on to come and talk to us about the game. So that'll be the main uh, thrust of what we're talking about this week. Um, anything we're talking about, well, I'll put links uh, in the chat if you're watching live and in the podcast show notes if you're listening afterwards. Uh, but if you're watching live, you can put questions in the chat and we'll try and answer if we if we know the answers to them. Uh, preferably if they could be about tabletop role-playing games, that would be super helpful. Uh, <laughs> so Ryan, before we jump into talking about perils and princesses i'd love to talk um, a little bit more about you and your background with games as i always do with guests that come on the show um so the question i normally start with is what is your first um like memory of playing role-playing games or do you remember the first ttrpg you played yeah i do um so uh i got i got started um playing um with a group of friends and uh we kind of one of my friends convinced his older brother to run a game for us and nice. I, I, got, I always get the feeling that he he didn't put it, his all into his little brother's campaign, but we right. really wanted to run um, Ninja Turtles. Of course, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, good choice, um, good choice. Yeah, and we and we had the book, and we wanted him to run it, but he was like, "No, I'm just going to use you know my kind of bare bones homebrew system." And yeah, sure, you can be Ninja Turtles, but I mean, we had a, we had such a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was super silly, super fun. Um, yeah, we didn't play a whole lot, but man, that was that. Just just thinking about those worlds and and what all the potential there really got me excited about that kind of stuff. Amazing. So, did you say it was a a, a bare bones homebrew kind of system the older brother used? Was it? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. he was just writing his stuff up on sheets. I know he he probably did was more involved with his friends, but yeah, he would just kind of um, you know made a lot of stuff up as as he went for us. So I. I always, so that's kind of how I learned to play, right? Is like yeah. way, way more, um, way more simple than, mm -hmm. than maybe um, where D&D has gone, um, yeah. you know. Uh, Fair enough. That makes yeah. perfect sense. So what other systems did you like start exploring and, and playing as when you move beyond wanting to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Or maybe <laughs> you still do. Maybe you right. still do. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I had, I had like a big, a big gap in my in my years playing a lot of games, mm -hmm. um, you know, the past, as you know, the past 10 years or so, I was more exploring art and design and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. And then with the pandemic, um, sure. I, you know, I had with the pandemic and then with my kids getting a little bit older, um, mm -hmm. I kind of found a lot of comfort in those old kind of more lonely games and mm -hmm. lonely pastimes and, and things that weren't quite as um, involving big groups of people like putting mm -hmm. together large art shows and that kind of thing that I was doing, you know, I was, I rediscovered what it was, was like to, to have that kind of fantasy world in your head and that sort of thing. So um, I kind of got back into it the past few years, um, you know, got back into D and D 5e and was like, okay, where, what does this look like now? Um, mm -hmm. You know, found, found a lot of um, kind of the 
OSR and NSR games. And I was like, this has been going on the whole time while I was gone. This is awesome. You know, yeah. I, you know, got onto uh, TikTok and discovered all these cool things like, you know, Cairn mm-hmm. uh, and Into the Odd and mm-hmm. um, a lot of these systems that were simple, like how I learned after, you know, mm-hmm. and I was coming back to it was just, just kind of shocked to see everything that was out there and just dove in headfirst. Amazing. So that sounds really great. So you started playing games again, like more simple systems. And were you kind of playing games with your kids or like kind of introducing them to games? Are they kind of an inspiration for you? Oh, they're absolutely inspiration. And and a main reason why I wanted to make my own game because, um, you know, as I got back in into the gaming world and and found all these um, old school games, I loved how the rules were, but I didn't always love how, I didn't always love the world. And of course there's like every... Mm -hmm for every world um, yeah. that you could ever imagine. But, you know, I, I wanted to have, I, I saw how, you know, these simple rule sets um, and very kind of tactical, gritty, like common sense sort of stuff that, that you, you see in a lot of these kind of old school games, mm-hmm. um, how that makes sense with kids. It, yeah. And, you know, but maybe the world isn't always appropriate for them or there's a different kind of story mm-hmm. that you can tell that also really works in that, in that space. Um, that kind of maybe segues us into Perils and, and Princesses because you mentioned on uh, on the website for it that inspirations, your daughter Alice and your son Frank are like were really big inspirations for making this game. Uh, but one thing I do want to say before we move on is how pretty the game is, which also really drew me in. I love the art style. And you mentioned before you were, you're an illustrator and you're a graphic designer. And I think that really shows that that's your kind of profession that's led into this because it's, it's a really beautiful looking book. Thank you so much. I mean, that the art is where it started. You know, I, I, as someone who is new to this space or returning to this space, um, I wasn't going to sit around and be like, raise my hand, like, Hey, can I, can I draw pictures for for your book? Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to draw my own and I wanted to, um, and that, you know, that's kind of how it started. I was thinking about watching these, um, princess movies and telling all these, you know, some classic, uh, kind of low fantasy adventure stories to my kids. And thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, that's the world I want to play in. And that's the world mm-hmm. I want to play in with them or with other people. Um, and then, yeah, I just started illustrating, started thinking about how this world would work. Um, you know, I was really inspired by my daughter, Alice, who would throw on like mm-hmm. a purple princess dress and then hit her big brother with a sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. um, Siblings, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, Amazing. And then, and then playing with my, you know, playing mm-hmm. um, games with my, my old, my oldest Frank, who's he's eleven now, but we started playing the past few years. And a lot of a lot of how he, I'd had him DM a game for me, um, and I I was just taking his ideas of how how simple and mm-hmm. um, he would run his stuff. Like I like we like that's kind of how for instance that's how monsters work in Perils and Princesses. Mm-hmm. It's kind of based on how he did. He's like, okay, we got like this is all I'm keeping track of here, and I just make up something new for them to do every turn. I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. Like his, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I drew a lot from, from them and the world I wanted to play in with them and, and, and kind of build it out. Fantastic. 11's a really fun age. My nephew's just turning 11 and he is going to host his first games nights with his friends. And he's so excited because I kind of, um, 
run hero quest for him and his friends so that's like a really really like simple intro to it and he's like right. i'm gonna have my friends over and i'm gonna run it for them and i was like amazing so i love i love seeing tiny gms forming which is fantastic <laughs> um so um we've had a question come in which I'll, I'll put up on the screen um so it's about the the art style while we're talking about it how has the art influenced the game's rules and and kind of vice versa what how did the art because you said it started there how did that lead you into the rest of the the game yeah, that's a super that's a super interesting question. I would say um, the the art is about the idea of of gaming, and in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. it's this combination of like it combines a lot of different styles into one. Where you've got some stuff pulled right from um, more medieval kind of uh, public domain pieces, and some like references to. Um, you know, kind of the mid-century Disney animated movies and how they interpreted the medieval stuff. And then on top mm -hmm. of that, it has um, stuff that's very, like in a sketchy, almost childlike style. Mm -hmm. um, so what I really wanted to do is trace that history of how you build, how these kind of fantasy worlds are built, where it starts with the source material and then has the history of how people have recreated it. And then as you bring it to life on the table, how are you imagining it? So there's these layers of um, kind of the source material and then um nostalgic bits and pieces and then i always tried to make it really raw and sketch like almost like this is how um these princesses are coming to life in the mind of someone who's young or um you know a, a young adventurer going and facing the world so um more more so the world and setting i think was influenced by the art style than yeah. the rules itself i think Okay, well, well, let's talk about that then. T tell me about the the world and the setting. So, what kind of what world are we going to be walking in in Perils and Princesses? Yeah, so I, the the crux of it kind of started when I was looking at all these kind of dungeon crawling games mm -hmm. while watching, you know, uh, dis animated Disney movies and and thinking about how man those like there's really cool features of these Disney princesses and mm -hmm. how they you know if they can call upon woodland animals you know that's that's sort of like a um that's i guess like in, in something like D D, right that's like a kind of a common power like if a druid mm -hmm. can do this like all, all this stuff but if that was like the crux of your power these simple things or singing an enchanted mm -hmm. song or having this like tender heart and tender friendship and that gets you through i was mm -hmm. like if that's the crux of of how you adventure um that you know that that can just be like an interesting world and then from mm -hmm. there i think um Beyond Disney, I, I think the the princess story or this kind of like fairy tale adventure is something that's really interesting. Um, so thinking about books like um, The Farthest Away Mountain is one I keep coming back to. That was one mm -hmm. of my favorites as a kid where you've got, um, you know, this, this girl who goes on an adventure and the little things she brings along the way end up making a big, you know, big impact later. Um, yeah, so that that kind of like humble adv adventure story, where you know you're not you're not keeping track of you know these these great powers that are scaling bigger. They're just like scaling in terms of um, being like interesting things you can do and and that kind of thing. Fantastic. And you mentioned um, kind of it's designed to be like a simple rules light kind of system. So it's great for that's younger people or people that are new to role-playing games or somebody that's just just wants something light to play because I know we sometimes we play something with real crunch and that's great but sometimes you're like I just need a nice palette cleanser game to just run for my friends um so what is the kind of basic core mechanic how, how do we play the game 
Yeah. Um, so I the the rules from this are kind of uh, pieced together from a lot of other like common mechanics you see around. Um, it is a three stat uh, roll under, or you roll mm -hmm. your stat or under. Um, now, some of those systems will have will are a little bit more deadly in terms of you just roll your damage dice right off the bat. Uh -huh. But this is more like if you took the black hack and just cut the stats in half, where you st you're still rolling to hit and rolling mm -hmm. to defend yourself, like like that system. Mm -hmm. um, but there's only three stats, more like uh, into the odd or something like that, where mm -hmm. um, and the and the stats are meant to be like pr they're princessy, right? You've got resolve, which is your kind of strength and con mix, and then you've got mm -hmm. grace, which is social grace as well as your like physical gracefulness. Mm -hmm. um, and then wits is like anything mental or emotional. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So you have your three kind of base attributes. Yep. Um, and one thing I, I saw, which I really liked, was uh, most characters will have a fairy godmother as well. <laughs> Can you talk about how that works? Yeah. So the fairy godmother idea is, you know, princess in the in the realm of this game, it's sort of a shortcut term, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. need to be a literal princess. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always, I always like to say that Luke Skywalker is a Disney princess because mm -hmm. um, his fairy godmother is Obi-Wan and he he only succeeds when yeah. he trusts his feelings, right? And he gets a magic sword from his father and like all of it's like princess and fairy tale stuff. Um, so I, when I was thinking about what's going to tie all these together, they're not all going to be literal princesses or mm -hmm. they absolutely can and should be if you want that. But um, they don't have to be. But they don't have yeah. to be. But the thing yeah. they do need is a fairy godmother. They need this mm -hmm. like, sort of um, supernatural form, whatever it takes. And I, I've got like a mm -hmm. random list of whether your fairy godmother is a cute sparkly old lady or whether she's an old crone or just nature or ancestors mm -hmm. or that kind of thing. And that's kind of what determines, in, in lieu of classes in this game, mm -hmm. your fairy godmother gives you a gift and your mm -hmm. gift is like some some kind of, you know, whether it's powerful friendship or an enchanting voice, that's kind of your what determines how you play the game and that's what levels up as you as you progress and that's the cool special ability you were talking about earlier that all the characters kind of have like right yeah. right fantastic and as you mentioned items um and like things you take with you on the way in the journey being important as well um can you talk a little bit about like relics and wondrous items and, and what they're like in the game yeah so i i wanted to make um make the stuff you have important and make that like really set the scene. So, um, and that's where a lot of the fairy tale stuff comes into play. And I mm -hmm. had so much fun just like, mm -hmm. you know, reading books and thinking about little things and how they would, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, poison apples and, and some of the like classic role-playing game items that I think make sense in this world. So there's like that little bit of crossover, like, um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, a rope of climbing in, is kind of a, a standard D&D &D item, but in this world, that would make a huge difference for, that would be a very powerful magic item to be able to have a rope that would help you automatically climb anything. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, as the game is now, it's pretty low magic, but mm -hmm. um, so there's not like a, and so there's a list of like 20 spells that exist in the game and, um, you know, hopefully people end up writing more, but, mm -hmm. uh, but the magic, is in the form of these relics, right? And they, mm -hmm. they kind of have char they have charges that you spend and then um, they recharge um, always in an interesting, weird way. Not, you know, whether you're, you know, burying it underground or getting it 
you know, asking a fairy to recharge it or, or something, something where the game world matters mm-hmm. and, and what you do matters. Yeah. What's one of your, your favorite wondrous items in the game? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the one think, that comes to mind now anyway, not yeah. to put too much pressure on the question. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think people, people always laugh because there's, um, now I can't even think of it, but there's superb, superb glue is one of my favorites. And that's like the, the glue that holds anything forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, and there's the classic like uh, pixie dust, of course, you would need in this game. And again, that would make it be a hugely powerful thing to have some pixie dust and be able to fly in a situation where you're, um, you know, kind of limited in terms of the magic that you can, um, you can cast at will. Awesome. They sound very cool. I'm excited to have a look at all of them. Um, okay, so we kind of talked about you know, the kind of the world we're in, the kind of basic core mechanics and, and the characters you're playing. So it's going to be like, see, the, you, you we say the word princess, but you don't have to be a literal princess. The gender doesn't matter. The thing that will bind you is this fairy godmother, the sponsor right. that will give you your gift and, and and you know, enable you to go kind of on your journey. Um, so how, when you were writing the book, how did you um, go about, uh, someone's asked a question, to paraphrase this question, uh, how did you go about, you know, structuring the book and and you know, teaching the rules to somebody via the book? Because obviously we can talk about this now and I can ask you loads of questions, but somebody right. that gets the book will just pick it up and, and go from there. And were there any discoveries you made during the, the book design kind of process? Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I mean, so a lot of times I, I did this in a way that that they wouldn't, rec- <laughs> you normally wouldn't recommend this to someone to do the do the layout of the book, the illustrations of the book and the writing of the book all in tandem. And that's yeah. how I did it from the get-go. I was designing pages mm-hmm. all at once, which is not mm-hmm. an efficient way to do it at all. Mm-hmm. But I think, especially with, especially with games um, like this, where there's a whole book, or even or even games where there's cards, like a Magic: The Gathering type game, the mm-hmm. the form is the function of it so much, and the and the illustrations, at least for me, when I was young playing games, and and to bring up Magic again, like seeing. Uh, I have a very like vivid memories of opening my first pack of Magic the Gathering cards and seeing these illustrations and seeing Mm -hmm. these icons and seeing these little blips and you discover this whole world not by reading just text. It's like you found an old, you found an old um, scrapbook and you're looking at all these photos and you can kind of, I mean now now it's grown so big and Mm -hmm. there's so much uh, so much online stuff about lore or whatever. But at the time, you know, in the '90s, when I opened these, it's like, what is this game? What are these little, um, you know, what is this whole world I'm seeing? And I want to discover more and learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, writing Perils and Princesses, it was like I need to see the layout as I do it because the layout is going to determine mm-hmm. how I'm going to present this game. Like showing you, you showing the illustration, it's not just a it's not just pretty pictures to fill spaces. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the illustration and the text and the the layout and the typography is going to get you there all together. It's all going to, you know, it's going to all help put you in the game world and get you excited about playing the game and get you, um, you know, and make it make sense. So I, I'm all about that kind of um, designing the information all as one, even though it's not efficient. And if, you know, obviously you would need like a tight knit team if this was a bigger operation. But for me, as mm-hmm. I'm doing this, I'm just, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, the benefit of it being you doing everything, <laughs> obviously the bad is it's a lot of work, uh, but the benefit is you do have that control and you can spend that time doing it. Absolutely. Right. So 
Um, so yeah, it, it looks absolutely great. Um, when one thing, the page, because I, I brought up this page, if you're, if you're watching live, you can see um, it's got like a, a dragon and we've got kind of the layout of the different monsters and the stats and, and kind of how that works. So could you talk to us about the bestiary and all the monsters or the NPCs that we will encounter? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I wanted to, again, this was a big way to set, you know, create the world as the monsters that you're going to put in it. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to have a mix of some very classic, you know, first of all, range of levels of, of, of mm -hmm. kind of run-of-the-mill monsters and more epic legendary ones that you can maybe someday, if your party can face a big dragon or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then, you know, the, the monsters themselves, I wanted to be kind of these little these, these fairy tale nightmares and that kind of thing. Um, if you've ever, there's a, if you've ever read the J.R.R. Tolkien poem the mulips that was a big yeah, that so was the in, inspiration yeah that was an inspiration for mm -hmm. uh a lot of how the the bad guys are in this they're okay they they don't you know they're not um and you'll see that in the illustration style they're very rough mm -hmm. and um and like almost like visceral childlike scribbles for what this monster is um it's mm -hmm. that unknown it's that the princess you know in a lot of fairy tales you've got the princess who goes into the forest and the forest mm -hmm. is the space where your adventurer kind of hits a lot of the unknown and then grows and then mm -hmm. learns something. And the, and the, the forest is what tests you and it's these unknown horrors that are there. And that's kind of, um, you know, that, and that's how dungeons work in, you know, old school D and D you leave the, mm -hmm. you leave our normal world and then you delve into the dungeon where everything, you know, where the world's out to get you. Um, so that's the monsters I put in there were kind of this spooky, unknown, um, kind of uncanny horrors is what, but, but at the same time, they're, they're rendered in pink, right? <laughs> they're like, they are, yes. there's, it's a fairy, it's a fairy tale world. Yeah, I mean, the, the dragon in the picture I'm seeing still does look very scary, even though it's on a pretty <laughs> dusty pink background. So it's a very real danger. Um, so with, uh, so when we sit, if we were to sit down and, and play a game, uh, what sort of story or adventure would we be going on? Like, um, uh, did you have like guidance in the book for how to run it? Or are there like scenarios you can play through? Or yeah, how do we sit um, down at the table? So I, I'm the last bit I'm trying to add to the end of this book is going to be um, like an intro dungeon and an intro little little world mm -hmm. because I was at first I wasn't going to I was like I'm not going to bother with that but mm -hmm. being being a game that I hope that people who may have never played before pick up I want to I want to make sure that's in there mm -hmm. um, as it stands right now this intro adventure um, is of course has to start with once upon a time and I kind of recommend like when you start yeah. off what well, you have to start off with once upon a time. Um, there was a princess who was betrayed and her magic crown was stolen and she could no longer protect her city. Um, and now centuries later, these group of princesses are going to try to find that lost crown to help save their city. Right. Mm -hmm. Classic, just classic, simple stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they have to go off into the, off into the forest and through the forest and find, um, find the hidden tomb and delve in and see what horrors are there to find, you know, and use their, use their resolve, use their grace, use their magic, uh, you know, magic potions they got from their godmother to, you know, to help find, you know, face whatever kind of perils are, are in the, in the forest and underground. 
Fantastic. And I was I was just thinking, because obviously you said it was so inspired by, you know, kind of your children and it's it's an accessible rules like game that the different people can play. And one thing I know is when I play games with children uh, in groups, especially little girls, actually, not to be too specific, but either they are the biggest group of murder hobos you've ever met and will attack everything or they just are the most peaceful liberators and you will put a situation in front of them like this big evil monster that you thought they were going to have to kill and then they find some peaceful resolution that you never ever thought of and one thing I looked at in the games it seems like there's lots of different ways to approach a challenge beyond just combat is, is, is that really that right? 100% and it's made mm-hmm. to be yeah it's made to be open-ended and I and I mm-hmm. talk about that and sort of like the upfront you know all the mm-hmm. challenges don't yeah they shouldn't have one simple solution. They should have, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and the and the 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 powers, like you said, and your abilities from your gift are meant to, you know, some of them are are kill them with kindness kind of things. Some of them are, mm-hmm. um, you know, very protective kind of things or very charming or enchanting kind of things. Because yeah, like you know, playtesting this sometimes you'll get someone who's like, yeah, we need to, like you said, like you said, it can go either way. And sometimes yeah. the best is when you have a multiple people in the group that want to do mm-hmm. different things that always is interesting too a discussion yes yeah but yeah i know well we've had ga- i've played uh, a game with my my group where yeah there was mm. a whole bunch of spiders in the forest and they ended up doing a um, spooky spider chorus line dance because um As you because do. she rolled really well on her enchanted voice uh, showstopper ability and and they were able to distract him with a you know, with a, with a song and a dance, and then set their set their webs ablaze as they ran away. It was great, amazing! Wow, <laughs> what, what a yeah. solution! It's like a real Guardians of the Galaxy kind of moment, for sure. Fantastic. Um, so, so where's where's the the stage of games at now? Because we kind of alluded to. So, this game is going to be coming uh, to Kickstarter soon. Is that correct? Yes. Right now, my uh, I'm set to start it on July the 25th, which is a Tuesday in a couple weeks. Oh wow! Um, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do. I have to I have to stop noodling and just just do it and get it out into the world. Um, so yeah, if, if you if you're interested and you follow along hit on that on that Kickstarter page, that would be huge just to get notified right when right when I push the go live button. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so uh, the links for that are in the chat if you're watching live or if you're listening to the podcast. They are in the link is in the show notes. Um, so you can look at that on Kickstarter there. Um, so this is your first uh, game that you're bringing to Kickstarter. Um, so I'm sure it's in the very exciting stage. We're getting everything ready, getting ready to launch. But you've got your page kind of made up. You've sent it to Kickstarter. It's been approved. Do you have any kind of at this stage advice for other people so maybe there's people here that have an idea for their game and they're thinking about going the crowdfunding route like you have do you have any any pearls of wisdom to share at this point with people i mean maybe ask me once it's over but um, <laughs> yeah at this point, i would say yeah no uh use what i've what i've come to find out um talking to people who who have done this before and that are better at it than me and like kind of mm-hmm. giving it a go is that quick kickstarter is just such a good it's a good tool to build hype um, it's a good tool to um, to kind of get get yourself going and make make something real. Um, mm-hmm. My biggest advice would just be keep, keep it simple. I know every mm-hmm. I have to keep telling myself that like you have all these de- ideas and when you get excited about mm-hmm. your your project and I wanted to like oh maybe I can get miniatures and uh, you know GM screens and all these 
awards oh and custom pink shiny dice and all these awards and stuff and i'm i'm gonna forego a lot of that just so yeah. um at least for the first round maybe maybe mm -hmm. when advanced perils and princesses comes out in five years or something then i can do it i don't know yeah but i would keep it simple and use it as a tool to get your word out and get and get a little bit of buzz going for yourself and that and just don't overthink it if you can help it i know yeah. that's hard <laughs> yeah i i think that's great advice and i would completely agree with that as well i think it's so tempting to do like all this stuff and you get all the things but it, especially if you're doing your first one overstretching yourself with loads of different add-ons and options will just you see it slowing down so many kickstarters even they go really well and i think sometimes just being like hey i've made this game do you want it is, is kind of enough right. so um that's definitely the approach we take at em publishing with our games as well we, we very rarely ever do stretch goals which always puzzles people but it means we can deliver on time and get get the thing out there for people to play yeah. which is ultimately what we want yep. fantastic um so one thing you did mention earlier as well so you mentioned with um the wondrous the the items that you had in the game um you, you said oh i hope more people make stuff for this so just I'm assuming that means you're open to third-party content creators using the system to make their own stuff later. Oh yeah, I mean, I, there's there's things you know that that are in here that I made up, but this this is like a long history of mm -hmm. of people that have been doing this way longer and way better than me. That I'm, you know, use their mechanics and kind of you know use the raw material that was already out there and kind of mushed it into the world that I wanted to to build. But like mm -hmm. I. The only, the only thing I don't want people to do is take my drawings and use them without my permission. That's it. So that's, that's more than <laughs> that's fair. Don't take, I yeah. Don't, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, the, everything else is, I, I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, these fairy tale ideas are, are as old as, as people have been telling stories. So, um, tale as I, old as time. Yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> Sorry. yeah. Take the game and have fun with it. I just don't, mm -hmm. yeah. That's fair. I think uh, de more details on that in depth are on perilsandprincesses.com. So if you are interested in looking at that and making some stuff and all things, you can check out there and make sure you don't steal anyone's artwork as well, because that's <laughs> generally a bad vibe to do. Um, amazing. So um, is there anything else you want us to talk about uh, with the game? So we've kind of gone through the world, the basic mechanics, the kind of characters, the things you're going to explore, the monsters, the, the Kickstarter's coming out soon in the link. Is there anything else uh, that I've forgotten to ask you or, or any kind of closing words you want to share about the game? Um, let's see. I mean, I think we covered a lot of it and there's yeah. a lot there. I mean, I could ramble on, on and on about my game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are, uh, a really fun bit is character creation. I think I put a lot mm -hmm. into the character creation bit. There's a lot of random mm -hmm. tables for what the stuff you have and your we weapons are all very flavorful. Um, and the illustrations again kind of take you there and put you in that mm -hmm. character right away. Um, so yeah, I I think there's there's a quick start I have on itch right now. Okay. Um, if you're interested in like even just building a character, seeing what the rules are like, um, and then you know that that's already pretty hefty. But then the rest of the the rest of the book has way more monsters, way more magic, way more um, kind of fun ways to populate your fairy tale land. Fantastic. And the link to that quick start edition is in the show notes or on screen if you're watching live. So far. Amazing. Um, well, I do have one last question for you, Ryan, before before I let you go um, mm -hmm. and, and work on your Kickstarter campaign that you're probably frantically doing over the next two <laughs> yeah. weeks, tweaking and editing, because uh, I know that's what I do when I have a Kickstarter out. Um, and the question is, do you have any other uh, TTRPGs that you would like to shout out or, or recommend while you're here? Um, the one that the one that comes to mind, which was a huge 
a, a, a huge influence on how I thought about making Pearls and Princesses is, is the Glog. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Glog. It's the Goblin Laws of Gaming. It's goblinpunch.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really cool way to think about games and think about mm-hmm. using modules, modular rules and pulling them all together. Um, and it, and the way the Glog handles all kinds of stuff is just super interesting and a really easy way to like really, really play a cool um, old school kind of game. Fantastic. That sounds really good. Thank you for that recommendation. Um, well, Ryan, wish you the best of luck with your Kickstarter. Um, I'll be following it. So looking forward to seeing the progress on it. Uh, and if you've been watching and it sounds of interest to you, please do go check it out and follow and uh, back the Kickstarter because the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their stuff. Um, but with that, uh, thank you to everyone that watched. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, and we'll be back next week uh, with Not D&D with another episode, another indie tabletop RPG to introduce you to. So hopefully see you next week. Thanks very much. Bye.